This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash England. If you think you don't have a business model, you do, but it will be a partial business model. I'm really, really sceptical about new business models. I think a lot of the things that we've talked about in this context are really new channels for distribution, new channels for marketing, new ways of packaging stuff for audiences. They're not, I don't think they're new, they're new models. Hello, I'm Michael Nutley. We're coming to you today from Digital Capacity Seminar 4 at Central St. Martin's College of Arts and Design in London, where we're discussing emerging business models for the digital environment. During this podcast, we'll bring you a roundup of the day's proceedings by sharing some of the highlights, including presentations, case studies, and advice from experts in the field. Video and audio from all the masterclasses and seminars is available at artscouncil.org.uk slash digitalcapacity. That's artscouncil.org.uk slash digitalcapacity. And don't forget to share and bookmark our podcasts. As you would have gathered, I'm Susanna Simons, and it's my pleasure to sit on the Building Digital Capacity Steering Group, and also my pleasure and my job um, to welcome you to this afternoon's seminar, the fourth seminar in our continuing series of workshops and seminars designed to build digital capacity and skills in the arts sector, thus enabling, we hope, the sector to take full advantage of all the developments in technology that are changing our lives. In fact, it is almost exactly a year since we, the BBC and Arts Council England, launched this series of workshops and masterclasses just over the road on the 10th of March in King's Place. It was at that event, or indeed at the post-launch drinks, that Jill Johnson from Arts Council England and I collared Alan Davy and Roly Keating in a corner and persuaded them that the gleam of an idea that we had discussed over the pre- previous weeks could actually be more than the side of A4 that Rody Keating had actually got in his pocket at that particular meeting. And that gleam of an idea has turned into the space, which hopefully all of you know about, some of you are taking part in, and I'm very sorry that some of you aren't. Um, but how far we've come in a year, 53 commissions, with a launch date in May of this year, we are within weeks of this great experiment Can a digital platform for the arts really give us all the things we hope for? New skills, new audiences, new work. Well, we'll see, but one thing is already clear. Going forward into this new space, new business models are going to be crucial. So so today's session is very timely. Um, I'm sure it'll be an informative day, an informative afternoon. All that I have to do now is hand you over to our our chair for the afternoon, the interactive media consultant and writer, Michael Nutley. Michael. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I think it's an important and and, uh, exciting time to be talking about business models. Um, I think we're all aware of how quickly things are changing in the digital world. And I think, you know, it's easy to look at that and wonder what it actually means. you know, when you consider that if Facebook were a country, it would be the third biggest country in the world, it's, um, and it only launched you know, a matter of a few years ago, it's easy to see how fast things are changing and how 
how difficult it is to get a handle on what those changes actually mean. So I think we've got a, an excellent um, lineup of speakers for this afternoon who are going to guide us through some of those, um, some of the issues around new media and what it means for the arts. Um, so now we're going to move on to kind of the meat of the, uh, the afternoon's discussions and, and actually start talking about business models. I'm delighted that our next speaker is Mel Norman, theme champion for business models and growth from the Creative Industries Knowledge Transfer Network. Mel, over to you. Great. Hello. Um, as a vegetarian, I've never been described as the meat of the programme before, but that is quite exciting. Um, so, welcome. I'm going to try and unpack what a business model is. So, now the first thing that people usually see when they talk about business model is about the way an organisation captures, creates and delivers value. That's kind of like a sort of standard definition for, for a business model. So what is valuable to your customers? What are they willing to pay for and what they're not willing to pay for? Um, so the bit of a business model you usually see when you integrate with a company is the customer segment. So like who are your customers? Um, and also what are you offering them, which is your value proposition? And then also the channels, which is how you actually can deliver what you offer to your customer or service. And, you know, what kind of relationships do you have with your customer? Um, is it something, you know, are you moving into co-creation, in which case you will have a very different relationship with your customer? Are you building a community than if you're just asking someone just to pay for, us for something? At the bottom is, is one of the important bits, which is the revenue streams. This is, you know, what are you offering to your customers that they will actually pay for? Is it a whole thing or is it a part of something? So this is the side we usually, really, we usually see. On this side, um, this is the side that's pretty much hidden. So we've got cost structure. We've got your key activities, resources, and partnerships. So when people are saying, well, I'm having to rechange and, and develop my business model, um, it's not necessarily that you're changing your how you price something. It might not be that you're changing the way you work with customers, or it might be. But it also might be internally. So is it that you work for a large organisation and nobody really speaks to each other in different silos, so you're actually going to break down that? Is it that you're actually going to build something you haven't built before? And that's, a, that's basically a key activity. Or is it that you're offering and you have key resources that you can offer to your, to your clients? And also um, how much it costs? Because you could actually um, keep your, your, your pricing the same, but if you can figure out a way of reducing your costs, then that might be a way of you developing and changing your business model. So there's just some examples for you. And what I wanted to end with was a couple of sort of thoughts um, about business model. Uh, firstly is I've seen in different industries, uh, most people are sort of looking to other people and go, I want the answer. Someone give me the answer. Um, I'm going to probably be a bit controversial here and say there probably isn't necessarily one answer for every industry, but what there is, is, is there are many, many different ways, depending on the organisation that you are, in order for you to develop your business model. You know, you are all very, very different organisations. You have a passion, you're passionate about very, very different things, um, and you stand for different things, and you have very, very different branding. So your business model needs to come from that. So, it, you know, if you're an organisation that is very, very ethical, you might, you might decide, you know, you want to engage with more people, you want to do things in a certain way, and there may be things you don't want to charge people for. But that might be different for another organisation who just desperately, you know, is, is, 
leaves money and, and that isn't a priority for them. The other thing is, is um, the biggest skill you can have when you're changing your business model is creativity. Um, IBM did a report recently and they interviewed 1,500 CEOs of different companies around the world and they said that innovation and creativity were two of the most important skills that people needed to know in order to develop their business model. And I found that really interesting because I know the creative <laughs> industries are having a hard time because they're being disrupted more than most, but we've actually got all the skills that we need within the industry. Um, and, and actually changing your business model, it's, you don't need a business education to do that. You need to be a bit experimental, you need to play with it, you need to be innovative, and you need to use your creativity, and you need to be passionate. Um, not everybody, you know, some of these things there aren't the solutions for, because we're all pretty, you know, we're stuck for time and energy anyway. Um, and once you've actually made your thing, then you have to bloody well go and sell it, and now you have to do all of this as well. So, it, you know, it is a pain. But I think once you can get over that hurdle, then there is more freedom and more possibilities. Thank you. I think there's no point in creating a business model one size fits all and then trying to apply the creative idea, because I don't think that works. People are so busy with their day job that there's just no time to scan the environment, to, to sniff out different opportunities, to have that kind of entrepreneurial um, hunter mentality uh, to see what else is out there. Marcus, I'll hand over to you. Thank you very much indeed. It's been really great watching this uh, or listening to it uh, from afar. So I'm the artist director of Pilot Theatre Company. We're based here at York Theatre Royal. We're in the process of moving. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the work that I've done. And, um, but a bit of background about me. I'm actually a scientist by training and an artist by profession. Um, I trained at Leeds University. And what really interests me is the space between the arts and science and where that blur and that edge margin happens. And some of the things I want to share with you today um, is really some of, our, some of the things that we've learned along the way. And our business model, it's not a business model, it's a business picture. And in fact, we are um, a starfish as an organization. And the reason I particularly like starfish at the moment is that starfish are really cool. And they're, not, and they're really cool because, many reasons, they've got, they've got five, uh, five digits. And you know the story that if you cut off one of those digits, you know what happens. Not only does the original one grow back, but the one that you cut off also forms a completely new starfish. So in this age of austerity and cuts, we've been using that as a kind of mantra in terms of one of the things that we do. So we've attached five areas of our work to each of these points across the starfish as a model, as a visualization tool for us as a whole team. So, and one of the key things I want to share with you today, because we're publicly funded and we're very grateful for that, but with that comes a great responsibility. And the responsibility I feel as an artist and as a theatre maker and as a creator is that at some point along the line of DNA, at some point on that food chain, we have to make that point of access free for our audiences. We have to make some point of that entry free. And sometimes what we're talking around in terms of our, of our models of business it's not about financial capital, but about social capital and what we gain in terms of being a trustworthy, uh, a reputable organisation. And with that, we can build our partnerships and develop our brand and develop the way that we become, we become trusted. And we become trusted through the way we use those networks and we use these technologies to develop those partnerships. And the key one of those for us at the moment is working with Kinura. And Kinura will be working with us on the space project, but we've been doing live streaming and working with them since 2008-9.
And I'm going to be absolutely clear about this, of saying that the live is the key to the things that we're doing and the things that we make and how we connect and communicate. The internet is a live medium. It's live. Twitter's live. This live stream's live. This Skype is live. Live is what it is, and that's what we're selling. That is our unique selling point, particularly in the performing arts. The visual arts, too, can also have uh, run, run live work. Um, and again, one of the key points for all organizations is to have some, I call, artistic currency, some creative currency. And what that means is that we've got, um, we have a project and a product that no one else has, so therefore, we were able to go to a, to a, you know, a commercial organisation who was able to help us to do some of the funding for this. And we're able to attract the funding in because we have some artistic or we have some creative and cultural currency of being able to sort of make a bargaining tool for us to develop that work. So really, it's coming back to what Mel says, that some of the ideas and the core activities that we do have are absolutely vital that help us to move forward. And I think one of the key things is that the key word for me is creativity. And for me, the creativity, I stick with the, um, with the Ken Robinson definition of creativity. And creativity is when ideas have value. Do they have any meaning and can they be taken further? And can those ideas, ideas then be shared to develop projects and to work, go further? So um, that's, that's one of the key things. So having artistic currency, having, something, having ideas that have value, and then being bold, brave, and ridiculous, and not being afraid in the science bit of my brain of poking something, seeing how far you can make it work until it breaks. Push something to the edge to, until it falls over. Find out what it can do. So I'm almost finished now, but just a couple, just a couple of um, last minute sort of things. I'm gonna give you my new five P worth. And everyone's familiar with the marketing mix and the five Ps that we have drilled into us. Early days, I used to fill in business plans and, um, you know, of product, price, place, uh, promotion, and people. But as we all know now, this new digital world has gotten out to do with just marketing. And those who think it is, they can leave now. Because, in fact, we know that this is about being, being creative with this stuff. So I'm going to give you my new five pennyworth, my new five pworth. And the new five Ps I want to share with you are, the first one is giving yourself permission. Because if you don't give yourself permission, who else are you going to ask? No one's, who else is going to give it to you? Give yourself permission. Find your purpose and your passion. What is it you're going to do? What is it you want to reach? What is it you want to say? Who is it you want to address? Then your platforms. Choose your platforms carefully. The next one is have more pirates, piracy conversations. Preferably have a couple of pirates on your board. Perhaps they have some people who are going to be prepared to disrupt and rock the boat. And the final P is play. Because if we're not playful with this stuff, and if we're not pushing and we're not really trying to extend and be creative with it, then we really ought to go and do something else. So in terms of that, that's my five P worth. The, the permission, the purpose, the platforms, work with some pirates, and please play. And um, I'd like to leave you with a, with a quote, which is from uh, Frank Rose, who wrote The Art Immersion. The art immersion. It says, uh, digital is rewriting all the rules. The rules for marketing and the rules for how we live. When something that fundamental is happening, the worst thing you can do is cling on to what worked in the past. Let's put it this way. Silicon Valley thrives on risk and Hollywood is fueled by fear. Your guess as to who will win. Thank you.
Today is all about um, arts organisations thinking about new business models around digital media. We've kind of given everything away for free for too long. People, people need to get paid for producing stuff. I don't think there are obstacles in creating digital channels um, for different revenue um, industries. I think it just takes thinking differently. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your patience. Uh, we're back with Jessica Vincent, Partnership and Sponsorship Manager for Antenna International. Jessica, over to you. Today I'm going to be talking to you about um, the low-hanging fruit, or what uh, both myself and my company, Antenna International, um, think of as low-hanging fruit and why we're not picking it. So, just to give you a bit of background and kind of explain our perspective, Antenna is the world leader in mobile interpretation for the cultural sector. So we deliver um, audio guides, multimedia guides, smartphone applications, podcasts, to a number of the world's most visited and most iconic cultural attractions. Why do we think it's low-hanging fruit? Well, 10% of the world population apparently has a smartphone, but also in the cultural sector, I can tell you that every year, 62 million people pick up one of our devices at one of our sites across the world. That's a big number, and it's people that are actively engaging with content, wanting to learn more. Um, we also have um, a number of apps on the App Store at the moment, um, and so we're, we're trying to cater to these big numbers, 5.9 billion mobile subscribers worldwide. So it seems silly not to be exploiting these numbers and really looking at mobile as a, a genuine tool for creating new streams. One of the business models that we're seeing as a really um, interesting one that's emerging is the freemium. The idea that you give people a freebie and they will pay for more content if they like it. So, media companies are doing this really well. So people like The Guardian, they might give you the headline um, stories and then you, you pay to get more content. I actually think this is a really nice fit with, um, with the arts sector. The idea that you can hook someone in with a, you know, maybe a piece of content, maybe an image um, from a gallery, and then if they want to learn more, if they want to create more of an experience, they have to pay for that. And the mobile, uh, mobile as a tool is a fantastic um, platform for e-commerce and for sponsorship. Now we've started um, dabbling in this a little bit. Last year we did a project um, with a print-on-demand partner so you were at a museum and on your um, multimedia guide, and it was a guide that was available at the gallery, not a personal um, device where you download the app, you, you picked up the guide and you, could, you were standing in front of an image or a picture rather and you could click to buy a print, just like that, because you were, in, you were engaged with that piece of art and you, could, you were in that kind of um, motivated mode and you could click to buy. Now that's a really interesting um, opportunity, I think, and something that actually we had some really great feedback on. Um, obviously, this can link to merchandise, tickets, as well as the additional content or whatever you want to on-sell through your, through your device. Um, and in terms of sponsorship, I'll just mention briefly, we, as, as everybody is aware, that you know, big, big commercial sponsors are very interested to align themselves with the arts. And actually, mobile is a really interesting way to do so because it's so, it's so interactive and it's so, it captures a motivated audience when they're in, in the mode of engagement. So, before we start picking the fruit, I think these are the key things that we really need to think about. And actually, the most important thing really is the motivation behind it. If you're looking at using mobile, why? And who is driving it? If it's your marketing team or your educational team, then maybe, maybe a free, free content is perfect because actually you're just trying to get your audience engaged or you're trying to get them in the door. 
if you're genuinely looking at a revenue stream, um, then actually maybe you need to think about um, the others very, very clearly. So assets, how feasible is it to repurpose content? Do you have assets that can be reused, that give the right message across, that have the right tone? Um, commercial appetite, as I said, sponsorship and e-commerce, fantastic tools, but are they right for your organisation? Do they fit with your brand guidelines? All these things are very, very important when, when modelling it. And operations and audience are probably almost part of the same thing. So it's really simple things like, do you have, are you Wi-Fi enabled in your institution? Because if you're not, and if your audience is international, say, and they come over, they're not going to want to get on a 3G network and, um, and uh, get landed with a huge data roaming charge from their mobile phone when they get home. And also your visitors. So the tried and tested method of an audio guide in museums, as I said, does work and actually it appeals to a wide demographic of visitors. If you're looking to broaden out to perhaps younger younger generation, then fantastic. A smartphone application may be the way to go. Integrating the social networking links um, will also support that and create a community around your institution. And to be quite honest, most of the multimedia tools we do now, probably about 99% integrate social networking links as standard. So ultimately, there are key considerations um, when looking at mobile as a platform, but the opportunities are just huge. And there seems to be a new device coming out every week. And um, I think it's really important to keep track of that, keep track of the numbers who are using mobile. And for some institutions, a tried and tested audio, multimedia content, even podcasts, are a very, very simple way to either get people into your institution or pus pushing your message, message out, or actually looking at ways to integrate revenue. You. I think people would be willing to pay for any kind of content that's giving them a value, that's allowing them to share, that is more than just being broadcast at. There will be a, a group of people within your audience who want to be asked, who want to support you, who want to help you and, and will feel good about, about being involved. Okay, so um, my name's Jane, I work for an organisation uh, and our, um, our remit is to help arts and heritage organisations reach audiences on digital platforms. And it seems important to me to think about the fact that when you're talking about um, public sector, um, successful business models are not just about money, that um, it's about value and it's about engagement, and that the business model that's successful is are you getting the most value and engagement out of what you're doing? Um, and I think that the challenge is really to explore how digital can do that better. Um, I'm really, really sceptical about new business models. Um, I don't think there are very many new, new business models at all. I think a lot of the things that we've talked about in this context are really new channels for distribution, new channels for marketing, new ways of packaging stuff for audiences. They're not, I don't think they're new, they're new models. Um, and there's a kind of insinuation in the structure of events like this and often in a lot of policy around that somehow digital is a formula for new business models and that somehow it's a solution, or somehow it's some kind of silver bullet that's going to you know, um, solve your problems. And, uh, and I just, I really don't buy that at all. Um, it's not an answer to find missing income. It's not an answer for lack of engagement in what you're doing. It's not an answer to lack of impact. Um, it's a tactic. It's a tactic to deploy that helps you deliver what it is that you're trying to do. And hopefully, if you can deploy that tactic well, it will help you deliver it better.
And I think the confusion about that and disentangling that is really important for us trying to work out how we diversify our incomes and what we're actually trying to do. Um, I see organizations all the time thinking about how do they get a digital strategy? How do they get a social media strategy? Um, or, or how do they build an iPhone app? Sorry to antenna. Um, but if the answer is an app, what is the question? Um, I think we have to get over this idea of digital as simply being something, uh, something separate. It's a part of the way that we deliver what we do. Part of our, and we, part of our core mission and our overall strategy, or it should be part of that. Um, and we need to get to a place where we're guided by the knowledge of what, what is it that we're doing and who is it for, who cares and why do they care. Um, and if we can do this, if we can use digital from that starting point of our core mission, not from a specific digital mission that's separate, then our success online will be vastly improved. Um, now, getting that offer right online, getting the content pitched to the right audience, I see as the biggest challenge for the cultural sector. And it's a problem that is not just ours. It's a problem that we, we, we share this problem online with all the other brands and everything else on the web. Um, and it's attention share. This is, I think this is the problem that we all are really facing that the cultural sector really needs to get its head around when it comes to online. Um, and I think that there's two ways, uh, two things we can do about attention share. One of them is to do niche, okay? Um, you go deep into a subject, go deep into an audience segment, and you can't invent this. It has to actually be real. It has to be, you genuinely have to have the inside track into whatever it is that you've got. You've got to have the object or the interview with the artist that people want to hear or the play that's on trend or whatever it is. You have to really have that. Um, the other approach to kind of attention share uh, is partnering with who else on the web has bigger attention share than you. And there are always people who have got more attention share than you, more money, more marketing spend, more reach. Um, and that, that kind of collaborating in that sense is a good way to try and uh, address some of that attention share. But you have to actually get outside of your box of your institution. You have to get over your own brand. You've got to stop thinking, oh, I've got to, it's me and I've got to label it and it's all got to be Culture 24 and, and all the data that flows to BBC has got to be labelled and everything I give it to TripAdvisor if I work with them, they've got to know it comes to me. No, they don't. I really don't think that's the case. I think that, that we've got to get over some of this brand stuff. And I'm not talking about links on related links pages. I'm talking about content on home pages that says, if you're in, you know, wherever you are, if you're in York, down the road, there's a really cool thing you might like too. And then down the road, it says, oh, did you know that up the road they're doing that? Because that's, that's how we can build some of this together. So I don't think it's about new business models, but it certainly is about change. And it's about a change from the past. And that change requires openness and an open approach to data and sharing. And at best, it's entrepreneurial, but it requires you to be risk tolerant. So that was me. Thank you. Uh, we are out of time. Um, there are three things that I'm, I would really take away from today. The first is something that Jane said, but it was also something that, that kind of I heard in what, uh, what Marcus was saying, which is that um, digital is, is not something separate. It's part of what we do. It's, something, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not about having a digital strategy and a strategy. It's about having a strategy and putting the digital in the service of that. And I think that's absolutely crucial. I think... Something that Marcus said is this idea of knowing what your users want from you, 
and being able to answer that in, creates new opportunities, new revenue streams, new ways of doing things. And then finally, I think the, the third thing that's really come across very strongly today is the question of collaboration. For, for reach, as Jane mentioned, um, for support, as Mel talked about, you know, and also not just collaboration with the people you're used to working with, but collaboration with completely new people who can help you to do new things and to do things in different ways. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.